We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Let's make Vision Zero a reality in D.C. Almost half of D.C.'s traffic fatalities come from impaired driving. These deaths are 100% preventable. Don't let impaired driving ruin your holiday. Always have a plan for a sober ride. Never drive impaired. D.C. police are arresting drunk and drugged drivers. Drive sober or get pulled over. A message from the District Department of Transportation and Metropolitan Police Department. Steven, great jump cut, 45 feet. Sees a hole, burst to it, 20. Side steps to tackle, runs left, 25 still in his feet, 46 yard goal by number 39. Running back, number 29, Eric Dickerson. Johnny Hecker, a high school quarterback, is going to throw. The fake is on it, he's got a first down to Stephen Bailey. Mike Jones made the tackle, and the Rams have won the Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Rams Talk Radio with Derek C. Apollo and Michael Stewart. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Derek C. Apollo, my co-host, my partner in crime, former Los Angeles Rams defensive back Michael Stewart. It's not our usual post-game show. The Bunnyheads guys covered last night, so you don't have to feel all fall all you know what's what's the word um into trying to break down all the little things about it. Just want to talk about a win, a 24-10 win for the Rams over the Bears on Monday Night Football. Mike, how you doing? Hey, man, I'm doing real good. Uh, DC, uh, looking forward to uh, this time to chat about our beloved Rams. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited about it. It's getting getting wintry out here, so that's been neat to see a change in the weather. Define wintry in Bakersfield for me. I mean, I'm still. I've been. I've been well, been a know, long time. Starts, I've been in the winter. Hey, it starts dropping down in the 50s and the 40s at night. That's getting wintry for Bakersfield. Oh, oh my gosh, I'm in the 50s, <laughs> low 50s in the day. We're gonna hit 25 degrees this weekend. And oh no, so, sir! So there goes all my flowers. Goodbye. Uh, time time for them to my annuals are going to pass away this weekend 
time for my grass to start going dormant. So, not not my favorite thing, man. For the weird long hair nerds in the world, <laughs> my green green lawn. I don't know. Nothing yeah, to do with myself we'll there. Be in the lows in the fifties. Lows in the fifties. Well, you you got the. The, the Midas touch. I'm sure your grass is going to have that nice winter rye on it or something to keep it green all winter. Well, you, well, the winter rye. I mean, that's just perennial rye period. But I mean, it'll. I have um, turf type tall fescue that will. It'll have some winter, some winter death to it this year if it, if it gets too cold. But it's a dark, dark green already, and, and nice. my my bluegrass is going. Is going isn't going dormant, and of course now I'm finding some poa nua in there, which it means I still have some reasons to go fight a war out there. Some of it's starting to pop back up, so I could kill that. And yeah, I do have some rye in there, but in the north, you know, it gets it just gets too cold for the stuff to stay there long. the The, the fescue will stay green all year, and they'll be among the first things to green up in the spring, but. The fun part of the of the whole it's like this is like our Super Bowl, you know. It's like our if you're a lawn care freak, you know, you're this is kind of like your Super Bowl. You're not going to do anything else athletically in life, you know. Right. So this is kind of like my little Super Bowl, my little nerd out, and I'm sad because it's just about done. It's it's almost November. It got real cold here, so it's ending a little bit early. And then for the next four months, I'm gonna be sitting thinking about what to do with my lawn next year. What am I going to do? I guess I'll have to think about Rams football instead. Right. I guess so. <laughs> there so, you go. You know, and, and I know you're getting busy. You're getting ready to go start coaching up here again. You guys are getting ready to finally play. What's going on there? Yeah, so, uh, you know, we got the the okay a couple weeks ago at the district board meeting that they were going to allow fall sports to resume at least conditioning uh, and the season starting in January. So after we somewhat come back from Christmas. So uh, the start day was actually tomorrow uh, that you could start conditioning up to eight hours a week. That's it. Social distancing, all that good stuff. And then, uh, you know, doing the temperature checks and, and so on and so forth. And then by November, no, December, uh, I believe it's December 8th. If everything is working, going, still staying, numbers are low and things like that, we'd be able to actually get back to a more regular practice with the pads and all that good stuff. So uh, that being the case, if that if that works, actually December 7th, and then, you know, we'd have a number of weeks, and then our first scrimmage would be on December 31st, and first game would be January 8th. So... If everything stays on track, uh, again, we'll start on the second. You know, that should give us plenty of time to at least get in, you know, condition uh, for a season. Uh, I mean, personally, what do you think of the odds to be able to do it? Personally, at this point, I would say 50-50, but because of eventually you have to test guys uh but test being at least some numbers i've heard 180 dollars per person how are you going to do that and then are you just going to do it once at the beginning or how do you not stop or stop the spread if somebody has it because based just on temperature check and asking a question that's not going to say if you are symptomatic or not, or you could be asymptomatic and pass the the virus on that way as well. So that's why I just kind of lean in like it's still some unanswered questions on how we do it, because as long as social distancing, how are you riding buses? Uh, are you going to allow fans in the stands? So we got some of those questions that still have to be answered. But I think just like anything else, California is waiting for CDC by way of the governor down to our local area uh, officials. So basically, same old, same old, pretty much. It's going to be touch and go. And depending on what cases are looking like, you may have a season, you may not. 
You may and may not because, again, we play a couple teams from out of area, so that's another dilemma. What if a team in the Fresno area stuff up there starts getting worse? Or we got a couple games down south in the L.A. area. What if things down there get shut down or something like that? So it's just like today I saw Bethune-Cookman decided they're not going to do sports this year because it just the risk they say to the players is just too high. It's not worth the risk. Uh, personally, I think that locally, because the district maybe felt like they were getting pressure from some certain parent groups or something, that they would just kind of give it a go and then allow the governor or the local CIF officials to shut things down. So I think it's their way to say, well, it's not us. We're going to kind of give you what you want, but... We do know for a fact when you kind of open things up like they're starting to do more and supposedly these next uh, six to 12 weeks are supposed to be most critical and crucial and you see numbers increasing, it would seem like we might want to hold off. But it is what it is. We're going to try to stay as safe and sound as possible. And, you know, I'm prayerful that we do have a season because, you know, we got some some good seniors that this is kind of their year to shine. But, you know, anybody who had at least a semi-functional brain knew come winter, (laughs) you're going to see cases kick up. There was nothing we were going to be able to do to avoid this, no matter what the politics say. It's a freaking virus that spreads between people pretty easily. I mean, we knew this was going to happen, so it kind of surprises me that, um, A, that California waited to do it in the middle of winter for you when it's warmer outside earlier. I doesn't, I don't understand that, but two, I don't understand, um, the planning behind it because it's like, well, you know, you got college, colleges are going back to school. You don't think college kids are going to be more or more of a, of a danger. You got, you know, of course the pros are doing it. So I know pros can test more. I get it, but it just seems like it makes more sense to me to have done it earlier, to have the season in a normal time instead of later. And now I know you're coaching in that. That's your job. So I can't really expect you, and should I expect you to, to really answer anything about that? I don't want you being critical of people you work for or the state you got to deal with. But it just seems to me that this wasn't the most, um, shall I say, this wasn't the smartest plan put together out there. Just want no, I mean, that. I agree. I don't think that it's, you know, going against my employer or the state. You know, this is just a personal opinion, more or less based on from a parental standpoint. Uh, the, the timing seems interesting, really, in the state in general. You know, in the summer, things are locked down. Uh, they move to being able to eat uh, at the restaurants, outside patios and things like that. Two, two weeks ago, I think it was, they kind of opened up the salons and uh, barber shops and things like that where you could now be inside. Then they opened up inside dining with, you know, still some safeguards. But again, the timing just seems a little backwards if early reports say that things will probably be worse in a winter situation. It seems like we're doing to even movie theaters now get going back open this past weekend. So yeah, the time, it just seems interesting across the board. Uh, I guess part of me personally feel it's almost like what the heck we'll just let it try to maybe burn itself out. If you will, the dilemma for me is who wants to be that person who succumbs to COVID-19, not me. Yeah, and, and we could say, well, people can treat it better now, so on and so forth. True, but in some cases, we don't even know what pre-consistent pre- conditions we might have. We don't know a lot of things. So better... You know, I think we're trying to do the best we can to mitigate risks as much as possible until there's a vaccine available. And, you know, that might mean having to pick and choose your battles there. I mean, 
stinks. I just think they should have done this in September with everybody else. I don't understand the point of holding back. I just don't. I just don't understand. I just, I'm kind of wanting to vent about it, but yeah, this is not. <laughs> this is not California prep sports. This is the Rams podcast. I, mean, I guess. So I guess we should get to right. that. <laughs> um, I mean, the Rams are Rams are five and two. 24-10 win last night. I was a happy they won the game. I mean, I just want to throw this out there, Mike. You know, at four and two, we're seeing Christmas about this team because even at four and two, they beat the NFC least. And there were a lot of things about this Bears matchup that didn't look good for the Rams, especially with the Bears linebackers. So there's, I think, you know, a 24-10 victory. It was, and it really wasn't. It was, it was more dominating than that. Really, the defense is, the defense did not give up a touchdown. It was an offensive, you know, a Robert Woods fumble brought back for a touchdown. It just wasn't one of those things where you can say that it was all that competitive of a game. The Rams controlled much of it, but yet there was something about the game that still felt off to me. I don't know if you felt the same way. I don't know if it's because the Rams didn't try and put up 40 or if we're not seeing some of those great Jared Goff that we're looking to see or if we're still seeing some splits in the offense or even the occasional defensive mistake. I don't know what it is for me that I'm feeling like there's something missing but it does seem like something's missing. I mean, again, great win. Great win. The Rams, this is a pretty dominating performance. I guess I felt, I walked away feeling like it could have been more dominating. And I have, I have I'm, I'm debating myself, by the way, on this too. I have, a, I have two different point of views that I want to run past you. But one of those is they, they could have made this game, a, this could have been like a 41-10 game. 37-10 game, you know, 38-10 game. Something even more dominant than it was. What do you think? Well, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, I think that, you know, I don't want to say fool's goal, but I'm going to use a little bit of fool's goal. You always have to be careful, you know, uh, when you say this is a great team, yada, yada, yada. That's not a great team. Us based on the schedule. I always try to remind myself, you know, that you're playing another team that has professional football players that have been vetted, scouted, have played in major programs. That's why it's always hard to say, well, they don't have an O line. They don't have a D line. They don't have it's like, well, at the end of the day, whoever you may think is the worst team actually has quality players. And it usually comes down to a word called chemistry. Do those guys play well together? And so having said that, I think the Rams just seem like they're in this kind of up and down, not real consistency, if you will. You know, it looks like, oh, man, this it can be a great this. It can be a great that. And then with the changes last year, uh, and I go back to say, maybe again, this is going to be a mulligan year for most teams just because of this COVID-19 environment everybody's had to deal with. Yet, there are glimpses that we could do more and then we don't. And it's funny because a lot of our guys, you would say, well, they've gotten their con- con- contracts and salaries somewhat situated. Uh, and you would think like that would put people's minds at rest. But I think at the same time, while it's putting your mind at rest that, hey, I should be able to take care of my family's family, family's family. You're still now thinking about maybe the injury factor. And I'm telling you, as many injuries that have happened this year, even with our own squad, that's probably in the back of some of our guys' minds with the lack of fans and all those things. Saying all that to say, I absolutely agree. It would seem we would be able to consistently 
put up more points, especially when we catch a pretty good bear team that seemed like they were having an off night. Well, I mean, the Bears were five and one. There, and then they came in with some not so great wins, but the, their schedule had been getting tougher week by week. It's not like they were facing you know cream puffs the entire way through. They were they were they're a solid football team, and, and they're at the very least they're well coached. They might not have all the personnel they wish they did have in certain positions, but they are well coached, and. I think that that's that's a positive. It's a good win. That's a big win for them. The Rams have, I believe, I think I heard him say last night, the toughest remaining schedule in the league right now. They're going to Miami this weekend, and you cautioned me on this during the offseason. I thought, Miami, that game is going to be a walkover. And I'm basing that off the, the fact that they stunk, that they were coming in and they are rebuilding, that they're probably a year away from really competing. And this Miami team is playing... A lot better than I think anybody thought. But you can you cautioned me just on the weather alone. Miami traditionally plays the Rams tough. So I'm looking at this now thinking, crap. <laughs> this is not that's not an easy game. You know, we were th- we had this marked as a W a few weeks back, even though you cautioned me that would be a tougher game. And now it's it's not so easy to mark this as a W. The Rams should win this game, sure. But you know, we there were some injuries yesterday. There are some inconsistencies. Part of that comes from being a super young team. Part of it is uh, some things that I know we're going to want to talk about. And there's still a lot of really good things. The Rams found different ways to win yesterday offensively. They, you know, they, hey, you got your third string tight end coming in making plays with Tyler Higby out. This is a team that has a lot of useful pieces, a lot of weapons. They just, I don't know what it is. They're not. The fanboy wants to say they're not as exciting. That's the fanboy. <laughs> okay. The well, analyst fanboy too is going to agree with you. Yeah. The but the analyst part of it is saying there's just something that is off about them. There is something off about them. I mean, I, I look at Arizona for example. In Arizona, they are a young team as well. They've drafted well. They've reloaded quickly. They have you know an exciting quarterback in Kyler Murray. And even when they lost a couple of games here recently, I knew they were going to be fine. They're going to turn this around. They're going to be a problem. And then they, you know, of course, they came back. They wiped out Dallas, which apparently everybody's doing now. I mean, I don't know why right. Dallas is going to have these problems against us. But in, and then they come back and they beat Seattle in overtime, five and two. In playoff position. The whole division right now is in playoff position, just about. So, you know, the Rams don't have, to me, that kind of, that feel that they're going to be fine. Which is weird, because it's a team that's had three straight winning seasons. They're a team that has a lot of pieces. Something just feels off. And then shouldn't take away by the, should not at all take away from the fact that the Rams were dominant for much of this game last night. And that defense is, to me, a, a better defense than last year, even with the pieces that aren't there anymore. But can that defense carry them when the offense isn't what we hope it would be? I don't know. What do you think? I mean, where would you go? Wow, that's a hot, that's a hot take. Uh, defense better than it was last year? Really? What? Littleton and some of the other guys that well, might make plays. I mean, plays. listen, I'm not talking about individuals. Individual talent to me still wasn't that was a better team. But I'm talking about how they're performing in key games right now. That five and one team comes in that has some talent. The Bears have some some talent, and they just shut them down. They shut down the Giants. Of course, they extinct too. The Reds can shut them down. The 49ers, for a chunk of that, you know, for the, f- the first half, were all over the Rams' defense. And despite the fact that Rams' defense was tired and worn out, they really closed down the 49er offense in the second half last week. They kept the, they kept the Rams in the game. The Rams had their opportunities to win that game. In the Bills game, the same thing. They locked down that Bills' defense and put, like, what was it, 28 points in the first half? Or first half plus a drive? 
They shut them down. So there's a lot to like about how this team is performing as a unit. I mean, I don't see them getting run off the field the way they're performing like they did last year against Baltimore and Dallas. I don't see that happening. I'm not talking about talent. I'm just talking about how they're playing together as a unit. But tell me I'm wrong. I'm, I'm, I'm fine being wrong. I'm okay with that. Yeah, I, 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 uh, I wouldn't say that you're wrong. Uh, I, I just think that I would like to see, and again, at the end of the day, you got new coaches, you got new schemes, you got new new things. It's going to take you got new players. It's going to take time for those things to get a little cemented and things like that. Typically, unless you are a seasoned team, uh, like we saw in the great dynasty years of, you know, Buffalo's had some great defense. Phillies had some great defenses. You know, the Saints had some great defense back in the day. You know, even you could say the Niners had one, one of the top defenses last year, lost a lot of guys this year. But with the things that are happening with the changes, free agency, you just can't sometimes maintain that high level of just pressure. I mean, Baltimore has been able to do it. Pittsburgh was able to shut Derrick Henry down and have been known for their defensive prowess. So I just think we got new guys, new coaches, new mentality. It still takes time to gel, and it should naturally take a little more time when you haven't had the natural – uh, you know, off season and things like that. Right now is probably this once the season actually got going, the most time these guys would probably have spent with each other. So hopefully that continues to build that momentum that will carry game plans into uh, a game and be effective as opposed to, you know, mental errors things that are happening like that. So there's a lot that, that obviously, as you said last time, we can nitpick, you know, ultimately you get it in the win column. That's good. Uh, I just think we both are feeling the same thing. Well, what happens when you really play solid teams? How do you fare against them? And then we're going to find that out. I mean, even in a team like Miami that is playing above its head, those teams, when the Rams tend to play down their opponents a lot of times instead of up. And so it'll be very interesting to see how they go to Miami. Like you mentioned, humidity, even in November. I didn't even know that, really. So we have questions about Miami this week in our Miami preview. Um, and yet, I'm going to be honest, I... I don't know many people who thought the Rams would be five and two at this point this year. We thought there was a chance they'd be zero and three after the first three games. We were really wrong. True, many people were wrong. There were a lot. We weren't the only ones who said, "You know what? This schedule in the beginning is not pretty." And no one expected Dallas and Philly to come out the way they did. And you know, we knew Buffalo would be tough, but I don't know many people because of that early schedule, especially thought the Rams would be five and two. After seven games, I didn't, I didn't. I thought maybe four and three, and I thought the back end of the schedule would be where they where they kind of made their move, made it run at the playoffs. And now with the Cardinals being better than we, than we knew they'd be better, we didn't know they'd be this much better. With Miami being better, all of a sudden, much of the schedule looks a lot tougher. New England looks easier, and of course the Jets, the Jets. But I mean. You still have a game against the 49ers, two against Seattle, two against Arizona. And those are coming soon, too. You know, Arizona and Seattle are coming soon. This is not an easy schedule for them. They had some nice bounces, though. But 5-2, and two, I'm surprised. I'm surprised in a good way. A good way. And that, that's a great way to go. And, and that's, I guess, you know, if anybody thinks we're being kind of down on the team, I'm not. I mean, I'm just saying, there was, there's some good there. Another thing, too, Mike, I was thinking about, was 
and I saw somebody mention this on social media. Why would the Rams just sort of shut down the playbook and become really conservative in the second half, up twenty-four to three? Why would they do that? And I know you maybe feel a little bit different than I do on this. I'm kind of waiting to see. Well, my thing is, yeah, I don't know. Certain coaches have an actual mindset of what is, I guess, casino rules, right? Things that are unwritten rules that which you try not to do to other teams, embarrass, so on and so forth. So maybe Coach McVay has a unique respect for Coach Nagy, and maybe they have a different relationship that, yeah, you know, we're not going to try to rub it in. The thing is, I take from the Bill Belichick tree is you better score as many points as you can because you just never know when your offensive defense hits a snag. You know, you're like the Seattle Seahawks, who clearly were dominating the Phoenix Cardinals up until basically, you know, I don't know, the last maybe 10 minutes of the game and end up losing in overtime. Was that an insult to Phoenix there, to the Arizona Cardinals? Well, I mean, that's right, Arizona. They've only been the Arizona Cardinals for like 20 years. I know, right? <laughs> Which shows you, I don't know, ETE's up. Uh, it's just funny. Yeah, that's right. Arizona Cardinals. Sorry about that. Uh, and my uncle and family live there, so yeah, how did I forget that? Anyway, slip of the tongue. But yeah, at the same time, you see these games where it looks like everybody has it in control, and then the next thing you know, you're losing by field goal or you're losing it overtime because you somewhat took the gas off. The other flip side of it is maybe that's not what happened. Their defense made some changes and just kind of start shutting some things down, and we couldn't do what we did the first half. But nevertheless, uh, yeah, I'm sure I got a couple things I want to add with with that. Well, I mean, at this point, I'm I'm thinking the Rams. I think to me it was more of a sign that they felt their defense had the game in control in terms of how they performed in shutting things down, being conservative in the second half. You know, if the defense is in control, which is work the clock, let them do what they do to the Bears' offense and not show teams more of our playbook, not give them more film. We're just going to just. Get us, get us get out of here as fast as we can, try and keep people healthy. That's kind of how I saw I saw more of a sign that they felt the defense had this thing wrapped up. But given the fact that we haven't seen really many great dominant Rams offensive performances this year, it's easy to then say maybe Coach you know, McVay is getting too conservative. Maybe he is more willing now to just kind of be less ballsy, so to speak. I don't know if I buy that, but I can see the argument. Yeah, I mean, I could. Yeah, we we can make a number of arguments. Uh, I I think, you know, and this is just something I'm observing. It just seems to me that you know, Colt seems to have a bent, or he's more bent towards just throwing the ball. Everything is pretty much throwing the ball. We have, it seems, a pretty effective run game. And then we just, okay, if we ran it one time, we're going to go automatically to play action. And then to play action again. Or a jet sweep. Or uh, a sc- the screen game. And it's like, okay, why, why are we just not feeding these running backs and giving the defenses that we're, we're going against just a good dose of our O-line coming off the ball, downhill, hitting you in the mouth, which also wears on the defense, mind, spirit, and soul. And once you start going to the the pass game, incomplete pass, you're saving time uh, or giving the other team more time to catch up or do some other things. Because if you remember, 
the Bears drove down there. You know, he got the one interception from Taylor Rapp, and then another mm-hmm. time you had something else happen. So it wasn't like they weren't in position to actually score. So that's the thing that kind of concerns me as well. On the same token, they didn't. They they shut the game down. They powered through. But there are still questions, you know. And here's a couple questions I'm just, I'm just seeing kind of filtering through. Cam Akers, where was he? Second straight game, no touches. And you just draft this guy in the second round. What's going on there with Cam Akers? That's a question that's on my mind, even though they didn't need him. They didn't need him. The team ran pretty well last night. I mean, we're talking about overall, they rushed for what? 161 yards, 4.7 yards a carry. They didn't need him. But I'm, I'm all about weapons, too. And I would have liked to have seen the Rams get him more involved in the offense. This is your second-round pick, and what's he doing? Yeah, there's something that's going on with that type of situation that, obviously, naked eye is like, okay, something doesn't make sense here. However, it's not like you didn't draft Daryl Henderson, you know, high to be a guy last year. So... Maybe that's the case. Now maybe they're seeing, well, maybe we have too many backs. So, again, I I lean more towards having a back know that he's going to be the guy and go in there and tote the ball, tote the mail, as they say, and make plays as Instead of a guy thinking, okay, well, these this is my series, I'm out. So you go, you get cooled down. Then it's like you're back in, you get warmed up. You cool down, you warm up. There's just a lot that goes on mentally that you really have to be dialed in when you're doing the switcheroo. You know, it was a year that me and my counterpart, Pat Terrell, we kind of split time for a number of games until they figured out, okay, students needs to be the dude in there. But when you're going, okay, I got first quarter, you got second quarter, I got third quarter, you got fourth, you just kind of go, you're not as dialed in as you could be if you just know you're in there. So I don't, I don't really get the idea. Typically when you're talking about a two-headed monster or something like that, Usually has some dude, big bat, Lindell White, small, fast guy, Reggie White. Mm-hmm. You don't have kind of the same backs. You mean Reggie Bush? And then I mean Reggie, yeah. I, said I mean, Reggie something White. like that. I mean, I talking, the, Reggie White wasn't a small running back. <laughs> no, he wasn't. Uh, yeah, thank you for catching that. I was talking about Reggie earlier with my boys. But I'm trying to think. Wait, yeah, wait, wait, for Bush. the Titans, the Titans had Lindell White for a little bit with Chris Johnson, right? Am I thinking that right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, you know, they call themselves fire and ice, you know, and so that makes a lot of sense. But when you have similar backs that are all similar in size, similar characteristics, it's like you kind of have three of the same thing, which, okay, that's not making a lot of sense. But you also look at a guy, Malcolm Brown, and you go, the dude averaged 5.7 yards a carry, you know, but he runs hard inside and outside. And you go, well, you actually could just ride with Malcolm Brown and you have a guy who can do it inside and not so much outside, but you have what you need, what you would, what it would seem like for the LA Rams offense to be successful. But, uh, yeah, I, I still don't understand the whole idea of this three-back situation. just doesn't make a lot of sense. So, I'm, in, I'm more in favor of a team that can make it work. I like lots of different options. But, I, you know, of course, we all loved it when Todd Griller was running the ball over and over and over people as well as the field. We liked having that focused part of the offense, and he was a special at his peak. Todd Gurley was a special back. Now, for you know these three backs, Cam Akers, Daryl Henderson, and you know Malcolm Brown, they all have different strengths. They're all a little bit different of a back, and don't 
do you think that it's possible for the Rams to kind of develop a running game around all two, well, all three, or is it really just not something that's workable in the game of football? Well, I, I just think it works better when everybody knows, okay, that's the guy. Now I'm going to work hard to dethrone or take that guy's position as opposed to, hey, well, we're all kind of the same. Hey, what's up, Daryl? Go get yours. Hey, what's up, Malcolm? Hey, you go get yours. Your turn. It just kind of makes it, to me, a little less serious because if you know you're only going to be in there a certain series, well, you can go drink more Gatorade and just kick back, watch the game. But when you know you're the guy, you, you're staying dialed in and tuned in to what you need to, to do. Now, I know people say, well, you're supposed to be a professional. Okay, that's true. But like with any job, if they are never counting on you to really do anything, it takes a special individual to say, well, you know what? Let me go mop this floor again, even though they could really care less. So I just I would just rather see you got your A back, B back, or your C back, whatever you want to do, or maybe it's back by committee where it's per, it's based on the game plan. Okay, we need uh, Daryl Henderson because we're planning to do a little more outside run. Oh, we're going to pound it more inside, so Malcolm's maybe that guy for the game. You know, uh, Cam Akers, hey, we want some speed. We want to get a guy out in space. We're going to drop him the ball and just let him outrun or juke people and things like that. I don't know. Was Cam Akers even activated for this game? Yeah, he was active. Yeah. So, But, I, you know, the the thing that we haven't talked about, if you go back to last year when Daryl Harrison barely got any touches, you know, what was the reason why the Rams didn't use him then? They didn't use him much at all. He looked lost at times in the Rams' offense, and maybe just maybe, maybe it's the same thing for Cam. Maybe Cam doesn't quite have the Rams' offense yet. Maybe they don't trust him with blocking yet. And, And maybe... That's why he's not in there. But, you know, you, we all know how Sean Mouvet is. We'll have a guy who's a star one week, and he's not really that big a part of the game plan the next week. That's the, that's the question mark I would have, though, especially because of this. You know, this is a team that's missing pass rushers. They need pass rushers. We all know that. They're, they got they got Chicago four times last night, but we knew going into this game that, especially talking with two different Bears podcast teams that the Bears offensive line had issues. I'm thinking overall the Rams have a need of pass rusher and there were pass rushers available in the second round and they went after Cam Akers. I know this is armchair quarterback in here but when you've got two capable backs in Daryl Henderson and in Malcolm Brown isn't that a luxury compared to your linebacking core having issues, and just basically overall needing more pass rushers. This was a draft that had pass rushers. And the Rams didn't go after that pass rusher. They're relying on it, they rely on linebackers that were basically on the bench. Guys are developing. It's just, that's on the top of my head, that's what I'm thinking about. And of course, again, I'm, I'm playing armchair quarterback, Mike. I'm totally playing Archer quarterback. I could be missing something completely in what the Rams are thinking. But what are you thinking about there? I mean, did that cross your mind at all? And there's the awkward silence of a live podcast when your partner is <laughs> gone. There Sorry he is. He's that. back. Oh, man, me and these buttons today, man, it's been all day with these buttons. But the thing (laughs) is, I was saying, uh, we talked a lot about this in the pre-draft and and leading up to the draft. What is the Rams' actual strategy? And then we kind of talked about, well, I guess we'll see it unfold based on who they drafted. So, again, you have changes in coaches, which means, well, we're going to change philosophy to a degree. But if you don't have the certain players to work with the style of defense you want to play, you then have to go back and figure out, well, this is who we have here. 
what can we do to be effective on defense? That being the case, that's why you have all these changes when a guy like a Wade Phillips, who's been around, seen it all, would be able to easily adapt the roster to a scheme that could be most effective. Again, these guys, yeah, maybe they've coached in the league and things like that, but it's a little bit different when you're really trying to run the entire defense, uh, come up with the, the calls, the the schemes week in and week out, and then trying to teach that to what are predominantly new guys in the NFL. So you put all those things together, it doesn't make for a recipe for huge success. I think you're looking for just steadiness. And again, I believe the belief is as long as you have Aaron Donald healthy, you'll be able to do some things, whether it's put a little bit of pass rush uh, ability on teams, be able to at least opt around a little bit, do all these things a little bit. But you're not seeing any like just standout performances from guys, you know. I mean, and I want to see that. You know, I think we're spoiled, honestly. The 2017, 2018 offenses and, and games overall, they were so exciting. And the Rams have had some exciting performances this year, but. The 24-10 win, the, the loss last week, you know, even as dominating as that Washington game was, and it was complete domination, it didn't have that feel to it. You know what I'm saying? It didn't have that excitement. And it, the Dallas game had excitement to it. The Philly game had excitement to it. Part of the Bills game did. But it's just there's been something off about this team, and I can't quite put my finger on it. And that's even despite the fact that they're a 5-2 and two team, but 3-0 no at home. They still have five more home games. They've got a lot going for them. And I do like this coaching stuff. I do like the job McVay's doing. I'm just wondering how much of it's youth. How much of it is um, How much of it is still figuring some things out. How much of it is the fact that, you know, you, you're playing some, some, you know, the Bears are a good football team. They are a good football team. They're, they're, five and, they're not 5-2 and two for a reason. They're 3-1 and one away from home. I mean, this, they're, they're not the Jets, okay? Right, they're, right. This is a good defense. And I just, I don't know, just, there's just something I can't put my finger on. Maybe if, hey, fans, maybe you can figure it out. Maybe you got a different perspective on it. And again, as I'm saying this, don't get me wrong, I'm happy. I'm happy with the team's progress. I don't think anybody's with me 5-2. and two, But you just want to go out of every game feeling like, you know, hey, there's there's something, there's, there's an X factor that is with this team. I'm not sure this, this team has that X factor yet. I want to know if they do. How's that? Is that, is that better? Well, let, 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 yeah. Well, let me ask you this. Would you think a guy, uh, Leonard Floyd, had 10 tackles, two sacks, and two tackles for loss? And Did, three quarterback hits? Would I think he would? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I I would have thought in this game because he's playing his former team. He tends to to come and go like that. I would have thought that, yeah. But would I think he would do it normally every game? No. He's inconsistent. When you look at that and go like, wow, that's an impressive stat. You know, that's an impressive stat line. But when you kind of look at the, the, the game, you wouldn't really think that all that happened uh would you think that taylor rapp had nine tackles i wouldn't would you think that michael brockers had 10 tackles no no yeah see so it's 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 weird in that you have what you look at the stat line and go wow these guys balled out but you know, if I want to look at this stat sheet right now and I was watching the game, it's not like I saw Michael Kaiser end up with 11 tackles. But he had 11 tackles, eight solo. But there's not a whole lot of, and it doesn't have to be flash. I love steady. But it just doesn't seem like 
I don't know. Maybe, like you say, nitpicking, armchair quarterback. It just seems like whether it's defensively, things are going well or not. Little things like Jalen Ramsey makes a big stop on a third down. Mm-hmm. But the dude was beat twice for clear touchdowns. All Nick Foles has to do is just pretty much throw it to the receiver. But he ends up with a big play on a third down, an interception. And you would think like, oh, wow, you know, Jalen Ramsey, you know, he had eight tackles. But yet he really was burnt for two touches. If the ball is just thrown a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah, but even so, no one's perfect, and no, and you're yeah. even the even even the greatest of the greatest will get beat once in a while. And that's oh yeah, shame. but but Jalen Jalen's you know some of the things he's doing are uh, seem like maybe a little schematic, or I'm gambling a lot because maybe you just think you're playing against a guy that was a rookie or things like that. But he's jumping. Routes and looking in the backfield. Yeah, he did that that second one last yeah. night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's a guy who's trying to put things on his stat sheet because that's not what the defense calls for him to do on that situation. But if you're trying to, you know, get your stat sheet up, you kind of do this cheating thing where you kind of guess, and hopefully, if you guess correctly based on maybe think you you know the tendency or formation you've seen in film or or uh, on your game plan sheet, and you go, oh, this is that play they like to run, and you just jump something as opposed to just playing technique of this is what the defense calls, this is where I need to line up, this is where my assignment is, this is where I need to be on this play. If I'm in zone, I need to be in this zone. If I'm man... I don't need to lunge at this guy. I need to, you know, work with my feet. Don't grab him. Play with my feet, and then D uh, the defender up. But I just see little things like that. If the other team hits those things, that's where you get in trouble. And I think that's what you're saying. You don't see because again, against good teams, are they going to miss that guy? No, they'll hit that guy and do different things. And then it's like playing a 49ers where you look like you just don't even match up and shouldn't even be on the field. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. So I don't know. I can't get the words out even. I'm not even sure what else to say there. I mean, this. there needs to be, in my view, more of a... I don't know. I don't know if the team who knows who they are. Honestly, who who are the Rams? They win differently every game out, and their defense mm-hmm. operates differently every game out. We can't say for sure what their strengths are because they're inconsistent. They've been inconsistent. That defense looked great sometimes, and sometimes they look awful again, especially against the run, and sometimes against the pass. You're not really sure on the pass rush. You're not sure where you're going to get it, but you somehow you do get it in, on against weaker opponents. Offensively, you look great in the running game one week, then you're trying to pass it 30 times over the field the next week. So I'm wondering where the Rams are going identity-wise. Who are the Rams going to be? I've always viewed the McVay offense as a run-first scheme. That's where you want to go. You want to be running first. You want to get Jared Goff in position where play, where play action, which is his strength, is right where he wants it to be. Defensively, you want to be a team that matches up against anybody, can can clog the run in the middle because you're playing teams like Seattle and, and the 49ers and, and now Arizona. And you want to be able to cover why, which is why you went and got Rams to be and You wanted that shutdown corner to give your inside more freedom. You got two really great safeties as well. And that's another thing too, safeties. Tyler Burgess was having his best game of the year last night. And unfortunately, the news is today that he's broken his ankle. He's out for the rear. He's out for the year. And with Jordan Fuller out as well, all of a sudden the Rams are not all that deep at safety. Although you mentioned a name that's familiar to you. <laughs> you want to 
go ahead and talk about that name a little bit? No. Which no. one is that? Uh, you tell me, Mr. Hughes. Yeah. yeah. Fresno State, Mr. Juju Hughes, Hughes is now bagging up. He might crack that lineup and never look back. Does he have what it takes, do you think? That's right. Absolutely. All you need is uh, I talked to a good buddy of mine who coached him and said, yeah, this is a kid that they can play at that level. So hearing that from a former uh, secondary person who was a high pick, played many years uh, with the Buffalo Bills, and for him to say, yes, I knew going into camp that he had an opportunity just getting camp and he could probably do some work. But now, unfortunately, given injuries, he's right there, uh, second team, and hopefully no one else gets injured. You, you would love to see someone get on the field, but you want them to get on there, you know, because they've earned it and not so much because of injury. But the fact is that's how I got on the field as a rookie, four games of my rookie year, and then pretty much – about after the eighth game, my second year, I was in there for the long haul. So injuries are a part of the game, and a lot of guys, that's how they eventually get on the field, and then they never look back. But saying all that, I, I just hope that, one, we continue to improve, continue to win, and gives us some things to kind of whine about, even though we're still winning. I mean, at 5-2, and two, it's a good record, but you got some games coming up now that we get to see what everybody's made of from the coaches on down. The thing to me, though, is, and this is the, the positive, in my view, to take out of this. This is the team that has lost their starting safety. They've lost their third-round draft pick, a safety, as well. They've lost Michael Kaiser Arnoff throughout the year. They've been without Sean Robinson, who was supposed to be one of their core run stoppers the entire season. And it, by the way, it looks like he's going to be activated. They've had problems in the kicking game. They've now released Sam Sloman. They bring Austin McGinnis back, and he's in, he's in there with Kai Forbath. This is a team that has some issues. Tyler Higby been he's been hurt. Cam Akers missed a couple games, and now he's not really involved in the offense. We've lost Joe Noteboom, who was starting, and now... I mean, this is a team that has not been steady personnel-wise, and yet they're winning. And even though they don't look quite right, they don't. there's something, in my view, they're missing. The fact that they're 5-2 and two as the second-youngest team in the league, and they've got... For the most part, most of their core guys, they're they're healthy. I mean, there's a lot to grow with. And I'm going to look ahead here because, you know, when we started the season, I, I, I told you I felt they were building more for 2021. And I still feel that way. Mike, I still feel like this is the year they're kind of getting the roster settled and looking towards 2021. And what a nice surprise it is that they're 5-2 and two, and I think a 5-2 and two team with a lot of room to grow, that's a good thing. Not everything about this, this podcast is, is really a whine. It's kind of just breaking things down, in my view, and, and then saying, you know, despite all these things, the Rams are in a real nice position. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree that they are in a great position giving – Again, my my pre preseason a testament to or testament to that they would be a little above five hundred. I think I we I think I ended up at nine and seven. Uh but they're only four games, four wins away from being nine a nine win team. Uh so as we also noted that as you get more in the bank, a win here, win there, you start getting now our seventh game. So one away from basically your midseason, uh, the midseason point, eighth game. And then 
after that point, you're hoping to keep knocking them down, that you're now working downhill, that maybe you can somewhat rest guys that are banged up with, you know, a couple games left in the year. You kind of know you're already in certain places as far as the playoffs. And you you let those guys get healed up a little bit and refreshed and ready for the playoffs. So when we talk about this two-game, two-season time, that's what it is when you have the regular season and then you have playoffs. So you want guys to be able to get into the playoffs a little fresher than before. So it's going to be interesting. Because I, I, you know, I know we're talking a little defense, but I just think offensively, again, it just seems like Coach uh, McVay is heavy on the pass game in spite of how well the run game is is going. So, I mean, there, there's still, me. there are still things to be concerned about. You know, the deep game is always a concern for me. The running game even though the 160 yards rushing, I want to see it really help the passing game take off. And that's something we didn't see a whole lot of last night. And that could have been what Chicago was doing. I would love to see, honestly, I would just love to see a Rams blowout. I like to see them just take a team apart and demolish them. You know, just to see. <laughs> and the reason why is I want to see them on all cylinders. I think... There, there it is, Mike. An hour of discussion, and I'm kind of arriving to it. I want to see this team put together a complete game on all cylinders and just take someone apart and destroy them. I mean, it would really give us an idea of, of how good they can be if we were to see that, at least for you know just just one game of it. And it just seems like every time out, every win, there is something that works for them. Last night, they did a great job running the football. They had, you know... Solid defensive play, great kicking game, you know, and in the Philadelphia game was something a little bit different. The Dallas game was really game plan. The Washington game, dominant, dominant defense. I just would love to see a game where every aspect is together and on it and having their best performance. And maybe that's yeah. And I mean, the, the truth is. Are you going to have a best performance out of all three phases of the game each and every week? Probably not. But the goal of any coach at any level is you got to win two of those three phases because that is going to set the tempo and be the difference typically in the game along with certain affordable plays. So I think we could go through a few of them. Graham's made them. And turned into interceptions, stops, and Chicago didn't, which ended up stopping them on drives and making their offense look like they're really struggling. So, giving all these things and thinking of all these things in just a nutshell, yes, ideally you want to see your team go out, do well in a kicking game. You want to go out, do well in... The offensive game. You want to go out and do well defensively, putting pressure, turnovers, you know, short series, three and outs, offense, sustained drives, make plays when you have to, kicking game, go make a big play, hecker, drop the ball inside the one foot line, and so on and so forth. That now at the end of the day, you not only win, but you've won in a convincing manner. I don't know that we've seen that. Per se, I mean, you could say they, they did a little bit early on in one game, but yeah, that's nothing that says that that's how we play. I mean, little things, you know, why is our offensive line jumping off sides all the time and there's no fans? Like, that stops drives. Like, how is that happening? Why are we jumping off sides so much? So, concerns. I mean, great questions to ask. All right. One, I don't know if I, I mentioned it. Ashawn Robinson looks like he'll be back this week. He was intended to be a run stuffer in the middle. So it'll be great to see him get finally on the field wearing the uniform. Uh, we're waiting to see what the Rams do at safety at this point. I mean, 
I guess we're going to find out. Hey, who's our starting kicker next week? We'll find out. Okay, we'll be back later on this week with our preview of the Miami game. One of our one of our favorites. Um, we'll be back from the Perfectville podcast and see if you remember who he is. In the meantime, you can follow Mike on Twitter at one do twenty three. Hopefully, he'll remember to you know take his mute off for you. You can follow him also. <laughs> Through the papers now, as his Bakersfield drillers get ready to take the field sooner, hopefully, rather than later. You could follow me on Twitter at DC Apollo. You could also follow the Rams Talk team at Talk Rams. Budding Heads was on last night. I'm sure they gave a lively, uh, lively podcast for you. And in the meantime, we're out of here. Take care. Have we're a out of here. Let's make Vision Zero a reality in DC. Almost half of DC's traffic fatalities come from impaired driving. These deaths are 100% preventable. Don't let impaired driving ruin your holiday. Always have a plan for a sober ride. Never drive impaired. DC police are arresting drunk and drugged drivers. Drive sober or get pulled over. A message from the District Department of Transportation and Metropolitan Police Department. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.